The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Exactly, right? <clears throat> yeah. So. So yeah, by the time by the time we get the ventilation upgraded, things should be a lot nicer here. That'll be nice. Yeah. Because winter does kind of suck here. It's not so bad, you know? You're used to it from like the, what, like seven years you've been here? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a lot better than the days. Did, did you remember the days when I had a garage door instead of a... Uh, you didn't have a garage door before. So it, um, it, it was, it was, I, it was probably night, right yeah. after you started here that we had the garage doors installed or the garage door removed, removed and, and a, a proper wall, wall installed. Yeah. I imagine a garage door would be terrible. Um, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad that it was impossible to keep that, that front, um, that front hallway, anything sort of warm. You know, and by the time the hot air would blow down from the furnace, it had to cross past that garage door and it would cool down quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and really the only thing, the only thing that's, that's not so great about this place in the winter is the floors. Now, uh, the floors, not in this room, but out in the hallways, cause they're, they're just raw cement, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In here, especially if the door is closed, um, it keeps the, it keeps the, the warmth really nice in here, um, and still cycles air nicely. Um, the the other rooms obviously they warm up crazy right but yeah especially the ISO booth that that room's gets ridiculously warm when you're in there <laughs> and that's that's the only room in the entire place that uh, that <clears throat> that's the only room in the entire place sorry I just realized I was playing with the compressor um, settings a couple days ago. I didn't remember if I set them back or not. Oh, we're good. Yeah, the ISO room is the only room that doesn't have proper ventilation. You don't need it. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's just it. I mean, we try not to put people in there. Yeah. But we do every once in a while. But people sometimes demand to be put in there because they think that's how you get a good vocal. I know, right? Every time, every time, um, every time I do a studio tour and it's with someone younger or someone in the hip hop industry, Mm -hmm. they get in that vocal booth and I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. That's a terrible young person. Yeah, you're talking about that until you're in there for a couple hours. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Then you'll hate it. (laughs) Hell, it doesn't even take a couple hours. It takes like maybe a half hour and you're like, oh my God, it's warm in here. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible place to be and they are not made for people to be in. They they, they just, well, I mean, they are to some extent, but... 
Nah, not yeah. for the amount of time you need to do a vocal, though. That's fair. That is fair. If you want to dry vocal, just get in a like the Charlie Brown room, put baffles around you. Well, even even that room, the, the vocals. I know, I know that pretty, room's pretty, pretty dry, but dry. Yeah. But yeah, but that's exactly it. You know, get in a room that size. It's you're going to be comfortable. Just put baffles around you, deaden the sound. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and that's the thing is is the Charlie Brown room um, at I don't know it's fourteen by eighteen at its widest, and it's not even remotely a shape. Um, I don't know if our listeners would know what the Charlie Brown room is. Nope. I think that's only people who work here who know <laughs> that it's called the Charlie Brown room. <laughs> so, so our, our, our main tracking room for the listeners, our main tracking room is an odd shape that is painted yellow with, um, brown checkerboard, um, treatment across one wall. Um, and, uh, Optimus prime underneath the windows. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's Optimus Prime underneath the windows. Okay. Yeah. I'm taking my cartoon geekery out to the studio. Uh, anyway, so the Charlie Brown room gets this, gets this nickname because of the yellow and the checkerboard. And um, that's our main live tracking room. It's not, a, it's not a big room. It would be considered a, you know, a, a medium to small room still because um, it's, it's an odd, funny... It's an odd, funny shape that looks kind of like the state of Texas. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, at, at, at its at its widest, it's fourteen by eighteen feet. So, um, not a not a large room, but uh, it's I I'm convinced through several years, <laughs> it's drier than than the uh, the ISO booth. Simply because the ISO booth has that upper mid-range resonance in there, that um, that upper mid-range reverb room thing that's going on in there, that is great for acoustic instruments and guitars and stuff. But you can really hear it, especially especially if a singer isn't right on the mic, or if um, if uh, you're using a lot of heavy compression. Um, hmm. yeah, you can, you can hear it come up quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Now it's, I've it, only ever done the one recording in that room and that was when I was testing out the Aston mic. <laughs> and, and, and like I said, it, it's, it's great for acoustic instruments. I, it's my favorite room for acoustic guitars. If it was bigger, I'd probably put more people in there, um, to play acoustic instruments, but yeah, right now. Yeah, but I, if it was bigger, it might not have that, that sound. tone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been. Uh, <clears throat> I've been. Um, uh, or lately, I I put the uh, the four by ten cabinet in there, um, and uh, and I'm considering throwing in the uh, sorry the four by twelve the Marshall four by twelve. Okay. And I've been considering putting in the. Um, the two four by 10 cabinets in there as well. And to have kind of like a little amp room. Um, I've been considering that, uh, but I have the four by 12 in there right now. And it sounds good. Have it. I, I've basically left. I basically left the, um, the E 906 and the, uh, 
the Shure uh, KSM three thirteen setup in there, right? Because um, I love that combo, and yeah, they're just almost always, almost always ready to go, which is nice. I got to tear it down this weekend because I have a client coming in, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what specifically they want. Anyway, I so I've heard the three thir- three thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that on guitars. Only voice. Mm. I think fair. when I started here, you were using it on vocals quite a bit. I still do on female vocals a lot. Um, if I'm looking for specific, specifically, if I'm looking for a really, really soft, um, gentle, but mid-forward tone. And is that using the front or the back? Depends on the voice. Um, I'll, I'll I'll try to I'll try to try them both. Um, I default to the to the front, which is the more more classic sound, and the back is the more modern sound. It's got a little high frequency hype uh, for a ribbon, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I, I I tend to use the tend to use the front more often. But I'll try to use I'll try to at least listen to both, just to make sure. That's not an active ribbon, is it? No, it's no. not. But it has it has um, it has circuitry to prevent phantom power from damaging the. Uh, I like that companies ribbon. are doing that these days with mm. ribbon microphones. Just knowing, know. like, instead of teaching everybody how a ribbon microphone works, let's just put some circuitry in there that prevents, <laughs> or you need to use phantom power. Mm. Well, the the active the active mics that's a whole different story. But well, like active ribbons, you need phantom power to yeah get enough gain out of them. Uh, but I, I but think even the circuitry just preventing the phantom power from going in there and blowing up the ribbon like that's. I think I think awesome. engineers, I think that's something that engineers should know though. You know, like well, I, it is something that <clears throat> engineers should know. But come on, there's a bunch of kids that are thinking that they could do this engineering thing and then they buy a ribbon microphone because some engineer who's been doing it for 40 years is just like yeah i love this microphone i love the r121 and then they like put it in forget that fountain powers on on their board and then just like why doesn't this microphone work it's a piece of shit why did he why does he like it so much So, I so, mean, that's just me venting because of the people I deal with on a pretty yeah. regular basis. Do you <laughs> do you have microphones that come back that are damaged? Um, not really, because majority of our PA department doesn't recommend ribbon microphones. Mm. <laughs> I know, but just just um like like, like condensers damaged. I, I mean, I I know uh, I know we get people who think their microphones are broken, and then we test them out and it's just like how are you using it well i'm just using it like it is and this is a piece of shit microphone it's just like well i don't hear anything that is wrong with this microphone (laughs) (laughs) this microphone is working just fine as i'm like talking in it to them to them that they hear me through through the pa it's just like (laughs) there's nothing going on the problem you're having is elsewhere right did you try swapping out cables no do that First, always do that first. Right. Basic troubleshooting should be a course all on its own for anybody that gets into this. Yeah. But the thing is, is like there's lots of people who, you know, get this idea that they want to record their music, but they don't want to pay. 
yeah. for somebody who's been doing it for a, a while. So they think, oh, I'll just buy a cheap interface and a single microphone because that'll be enough. <laughs> well, and sometimes it is. <laughs> sometimes but... it is. But, you know, they're going to record it not knowing how to actually use yeah. this equipment. And then they come back to me and get all angry because <laughs> they don't know how to use something. Right. And then I have to spend an hour telling them, like, no, this is how you use the equipment. I dislike it because that hour I could be spent, like, helping somebody who knows what they're doing. But <laughs> I, I digress. Uh, <laughs> we do that all the time. <laughs> um, so that, that brought up. Uh, something that happened to me yesterday, I think it was. Um, I had a an extended text conversation with a potential client that wanted to get in yesterday, which wasn't going to happen because um, you were busy. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's it's super rare that I can accommodate someone day of, right? Yeah. And, and 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 fair enough. He's never really reached out to a studio before, he, so he doesn't know. Okay, he's always dealt with his little home rig or. Or, and it might not even be little, I don't actually know. Um, he's always dealt with his home rig or... And of um, course, that's always available. Buddy's studio or something, right? Yeah. Buddy's home studio. Um, anyway, so uh, so he wants to know how much to record and mix a song. Um, and those are specifically what he asks for. I want to know how much to record and mix a song. So naturally, I have to ask for more details because... I mean, that could be eight hours, that could be two hours, that could be 27 hours, I don't know. Need more info. Depending on the scope of your song. Um, now, now, predictably, I kind of knew based on how he'd asked the question, because this is usually how these guys ask the question, um, it was hip-hop. Okay. Not a big deal. Um, so I tell him, <clears throat> I tell him the mix... Usually it takes me about two hours, um, uh, and sometimes it takes me three for a hip hop song. Maybe a little more, depending on how complicated the song is, right? Mm-hmm. But two is a pretty safe bet. Um, so you're looking at this much money plus whatever it takes to record and edit. And this is my rate to record and edit, and um, and then I say. If you already have your like your vocal recordings, that's great. Um, that can save you the recording time. Also save me the headache of having to listen to it that much more. And <laughs> right, um, and uh, <coughs> excuse me. And then we can just mix, and it should just be you know this this nice low cost, right? Yeah. And he's he's, he's really excited. Loves the price. Uh, asks me um, if. Ask me if wave file is best. And I'm like, okay, good. This guy knows that he, like he's definitely green, but he knows, um, he's starting to know what he's talking about. Um, yeah. then he says, well, sounds like he's probably like read some information online about how engineers right. complain about not getting wave files. <laughs> Meanwhile, here I am. Uh, if somebody sends me an MP3, uh, I might ask, be like, do you have a wave file? If not, that's fine. I'll mix the MP3. I don't care. Wonderful tangent, wonderful tangent. So, um, I was working, I was working on a project last week. Yeah. Another hip hop guy. Um, I really enjoy, um, 
this guy. It, it's him and a buddy, and they're both really good. One guy kind of sounds white and nerdy. The other guy kind of sounds like he's almost an actual. So one guy sounds okay. like Weird Al. Yeah, but they <laughs> but they both sound really good, and they're and they're both pretty well practiced, right? Okay. Um, and they're not doing they're not doing stuff that makes me uncomfortable or stuff that I find overdone, like the gangster rap, the the bitches and cars. Kind of thing. Anyway, so so uh, we'd had the conversation before we even started about about making sure you get wave files from the the producer that you're buying these tracks from, and uh, both these kids are, are are right on it. They they uh, they think that that's that's great. We'll make sure we we'll make sure we have that, and so they get this wave file from the guy that made the beat. Mm-hmm. You're gonna love this. Everything above eighteen thousand hertz was gone. <laughs> so he took an MP3 and converted it to Wave. Oh, God. I was, I was like, and I didn't want to tell these kids because because they thought they'd done the right thing and they oh, paid for this, right? Yeah, um, and, but they didn't they didn't pay for the ex- the exclusive. So really, they paid like like twenty bucks for the beat. Okay, so so they I'm got not, their money's worth. <laughs> they got their money's worth for sure, uh, but uh, but I was just I was just baffled that someone who should know is giving out a product that was converted from the thing. The is, thing is, he should a know lot to of avoid. Producers don't know that. Stuff. I guess, but. Fuck, man! Like beat making producers don't like bouncing MP3. Stuff. Oh, you need a wave? Let me convert my MP3 into a wave for you. Yeah, yeah I can do that. Although, service. <laughs> some of those guys are also using like MP3s as like their samples, so that could also be contributing. That's that's fair, but um, even if you even if you apply some reverb, yeah, you, for example, you'd be adding that information. You should be adding at least some, right? Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and this was, this was clearly like, there was nothing. Well, yeah, there. no, yeah. I, it, it is clear as day when you see just a cliff of frequency information. <laughs> I was like, where did all that go? Wait a minute. <laughs> um, so back to this, back to this kid I was talking to yesterday. So he's excited. Uh, he's excited. He's, he's, he's getting his waves ready. Mm-hmm. Um, he sends me a text, a follow-up text that says, I just want to make sure, um, to ask, you want me to, to take off all my edits? No, keep your edits. And, 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 and so I, so I wrote back anything that you, um, are really happy with, um, keep, uh, keep c- c- commit, keep, make them part of the wave. It'll save us a lot of time in, in getting your files into my session. Oh, and, and, and he then let me knew, let me know that he's using logic pro. So cool. Um, so then he texts me back and says, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, maybe I'm confused as to, as to what editing is. Um, I'm talking about the EQ and compression that I've put on my tracks. <laughs> and, 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 and that That's was a tough one. That was a first for me. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so I, I, I had to think myself through it. I had to have a little mumble ranting session to myself. Um, and then, and then I had to text him back, you know, here's an explanation of what mixing is and here's what editing is just so you know the difference. And, and it's a pretty easy explanation, but mm-hmm. I, it had never occurred to me that anybody would, 
confuse the two. It just wouldn't have ever occurred to me. Thing is, is the the lines are being blurred between the two. There's a lot of people who think that mixing is like part of editing is mixing. But that doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, I know. I, I mean, That's I can. Why I charge as much as I do for mixing because <laughs> I know I will have to do some editing. See, and I just say right up front, like, listen, um, I'll give you a price for mixing, but that doesn't include that doesn't include editing, which means none of this, yeah, none, of this none of this. You can pay for it. Hey, I don't want to have that conversation. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and if it's an artist that I've dealt with in the past, and I know that it's going to be edited and I won't have to do anything, then, you know, my price drops to reflect that. Right. But before then, like if it's the first time dealing with you, I don't know if you know what editing is. I don't know if you're going to do it before you bring it to me. And a lot of artists don't properly do edits before they go to mixing. Right. Unless they got somebody who's experienced as a recording guy, in which case those people are usually editing as they go. <clears throat> like you and I do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, was, it was a first for me, though. I had never expected that that line had been blurred. Um, except by except by high-end guys who, like, you would, part of your editing process is hearing that there's a really bad low frequency thing in a track mm-hmm. and you, you know, pull out, you pull out your hum remover software and remove that hum. That's part of editing, right? You know? Yeah. Or, um, or if there's digital, um, digital, um, noise, or if there's, if there's clipping that's happening, you know, we're restoring a lot of that. Yeah. I guess I guess that's the audio, all that audio restoration side of editing. Yeah, that because that's that can be using EQ and stuff that like that. Can be, <laughs> although there's programs that do it a lot quicker than the hard ways of doing it now. So <laughs> I will true. use those instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I passed on a on an opportunity to upgrade to um, RX six, oh, yeah. Isotope. Yeah, they had a good deal couple weeks ago now i think i think they're also going that monthly subscription isotope i think so i saw something that where somebody was saying 29 bucks for rx6 and i thought like that has to be a subscription price uh no that was um that was a loyalty price oh that was a loyalty price it was uh if you had rx5 or rx4 i think it was if you had either of those they would allow you to upgrade to their RX basic, which I don't know what they actually call it. It's not, they don't call it basic, but, but I would want pro. Well, but that's the thing is, is the basic comes with all the tools that you need. I know it comes with anyway. all the tools, but I'd rather be able to just load the one instance of whatever it is I need and place it like if right. I need and, and, different and, things and that in was, between that. That was the, that was the thing is, is it was, it was, it was all the, not all, it was the five, yeah, I think it was five of the basic plugins mm-hmm. plus the spectral repair, which was a standalone unit. Yeah. Um, but the advanced or pro right. or whatever, it doesn't, whatever they're calling it. Yeah. Whatever they're calling it. Right. Um, it's not a plugin. It's a standalone software that you import your wave into 
and repair. Okay. And and you can do um, their their standalone softwares allow you to import multiple waves, so you can you can edit a whole bunch and then, or you can you can fix a whole bunch and then batch export, right? Okay. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, I'm still using for that for that purpose that standalone fix. Mm-hmm. I'm still using RX two, and I'm I. I don't really see the need to upgrade because for the amount I use it um, and for the my uh, my skill with spectral repair is pretty minimal to begin with. So I'm only doing the basic things. Yeah, I I see the point in investing in it mm-hmm. to just have in the first place, right? But upgrading for sure, I, I, unless there's something. That the new version has that the old versions don't. Exactly. Or that I can't do, uh, I don't know, like maybe there's a really fast editing thing that they introduce. Then maybe well, they, I, do the upgrade. The the algorithms, this, this is how they describe it, the algorithms just keep getting better. Yeah. Right? And so the digital artifacts or the artifacts in general that are left over, they are less and less and less every time. Oh no, I've I've been noticing that where it's just like, yeah. oh, there's this weird noise in the background. You can just paint it out, and it sounds like it was never there. <laughs> how the hell? I, I I wish I was smart enough to know how exactly it does that, but yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not I, good at math I, like that. When I'm when I'm working with instrument tracks, um, the spectral repair has an automatic. Um, feature, mm-hmm. and so I just highlight a range with a second or two on either side, and it identifies the odd thing and removes it. Super nice, automatic. I don't have to think about it. It's just like psh, process. Do I like it? Undo. Process again. There we go. Perfect. The only thing I don't like is the the overall general interfaces is, is balls. So I'd, I'd like that to be better, but. I'm also working like four versions ago. Um, but when it comes to, when it comes to identify, like um, in a, I had a, uh, I had a, um, a, rec- <laughs> this is a weird, this was a weird one. I had a recording of three grandmas all in their nineties sitting in what was not a noisy, um, old folks home, but they were sitting in an old folks home and there was some noise, some going noise on. going on constantly. Right. Cause it, they were sitting in just one of the common rooms. Now they had the camera audio that was filming it, but they'd lost the tape recorder that they'd had sitting really close to them, which would have been a lot better audio. Mm-hmm. So the camera audio was basically picking up from, I don't know. Yeah, it looked like it was about 10 feet away. Okay. Just to get them all in frame. Yeah. Maybe it, it probably wasn't even that much, but it looked like it was it looked like it was a reasonable distance. Far enough that you're getting a lot of room sound. And and it was it was crazy trying to get rid of all that. Um and I don't even think I did it to Oh no, we 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 ended up we ended up stopping because I couldn't achieve what the what the client wanted and sent him he didn't even know this tape recorder existed. Oh yeah. I saw it in the video at a, at a point where someone stopped 
the, the tape stopped and someone snuck in to change the tape or flip the tape or something and hit record again. And that was the point where I said, okay, so do you have access to this audio cassette? Cause that would make life so much easier. And I haven't heard from him since, but I still have the, I still have the session on the, on the drive. So I can go back into it if he ever comes back, but yeah. It's been a while. Um, yeah. You know what? It was last Christmas. So it's probably never well, he'd, back, he, because he'd never, he'd never, um, he didn't know that the audio tape existed. So he had to find out who had it or whatever. And I know the guy, he's not all that, not all that fast paced. Okay. You know, he might, he might ask a question, send out an email and think about it a month later and say, Oh, did I ever hear back from that? Let me email someone else. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I fully expect there to be, you know, and this was shit. You not. this was from the middle of the nineties. Although it makes sense because they were doing it on a cassette recorder. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people with those anymore. Mike Brzeau, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that's, that's the only guy I know who probably has something like that because he seems to have anything that is tape related. He collects mini discs too. Really? Yeah, I know. It, it, it was one of those. That was like a thing for a year. Um, no, it? it was it was about 15. Hmm. The first I saw the first one in like 1990 or 1989 or something like that. Um, that was the precursor to the MP3, right? I think so. Very similar algorithm to compress the data size. Huh. Yeah. He even has. I, I used CDs up until MP3s became like yeah. a big thing. So. And before that was cassette tapes. Hmm. I miss my cassettes. I miss my cassette collection specifically. I think I donated it to like Goodwill or something, but I miss it. I didn't have much of a cassette collection. I think I maybe had like four or five cassettes before moving on to CDs. Hmm. That's fair. And I still have like pretty much every CD I've ever bought. Well, not true. Well, it's like a preteen or whatever you want to call that. I don't have any of those. I was really into like Backstreet Boys and stuff for whatever reason. Got made fun of because I like the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I um Do you remember New Kids on the Block? Yes. So I was never a fan. I don't know if I just missed the phase. Um but when I was in this would have happened like I was in grade four, grade six, somewhere in there. They were the big thing, end of the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, there was a picture on one of the local newspapers of a kid that apparently looked just like me camping out for new kids on the block tickets. And, and everyone in school just assumed that was me because there was no mention of the name. Yeah. But it was a picture of this kid. It was in town. It was in Edmonton. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and damned if I, I mean, I have one of those faces that people always say, I think I like, I think I know you from somewhere. Well, apparently I have a doppelganger in the city here too. 
who likes to go to raves and dance, <laughs> which doesn't sound like me at all. <sighs> I could see you dressing a little more colorfully and nope, you know, a uh, skin tight, um, colorful spandex. shirt and spandex <laughs> and. Uh, Glow sticks and the soother or whatever they... Bouncing up and down? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I can't do that. No, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently someone who looks just like me does that. Excellent. So if you see me at a rave, because uh, I, I, you go to those things, obviously. <laughs> I do? I, it, it was sarcasm, but... Uh, yeah. I think the last rave I was at was one that I worked um, at the Shaw Conference Center, I want to say like 18 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, it would have been like early 2000, maybe end of 99, something like that. Um, And it was so weird. Like the music was just numbing. Because, I mean, it was the same thing all, the entire night long, right? Yeah. I spread out across, like, they had four four of the big halls. It wasn't at the Shaw. It was at the Agricom. God, my memory is terrible. Yeah. Spread out over the over four of the halls. Right. So huge. And it was just, like, <laughs> numbing. I mean, it was it was great to, as a, as a kid, because I would have been, I would have been 21 or something. Um, it was great to see all these girls my age wearing very little. Yeah. But they wear even less now. They like put tape on their nipples and then like, that's about it. Yeah. Or at least that's what pictures of raves from <laughs> the very little that pop up on my newsfeed look like to Those me. are probably the only ones that you notice though. Cause the rest of them, they just look like normal stoned people. I mean, it still looked like stoner people, but yeah. I dated a raver girl. Um, could not connect musically because to her, electronic music had this infinite amount of subgenres that literally would be defined by tiny variations mm-hmm. in the drum beat. Did we talk about this already? No, but okay. I have. I you know what I'm talking about, store. Right? I see yeah. these people come in and they're like, yeah, so I listen to uh, Trapped House, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like all that means to me is like, oons, oons, oons. Like that's it. <laughs> that's all I can hear in my head. It's yeah. just a constant four to the floor. I got it. I have to admit the last, the last, um, two years I've been forced into, into working on a little bit of dubstep, working on some projects that have some dubstep in them. And through research, I'm really impressed at where that genre has gone. I don't particularly like it, but it kind of sounds like transformers to me Yep, and it doesn't, usually have the four on the floor kind of beat. No, it's usually more syncopated. Yeah. But I think that's due to the popularity of uh, Skrillex and the fact about that, like that guy was in a post 
hardcore band, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what genre it was. Despite being in the scene at the time when it was popular, I <laughs> yeah, right. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, but he was, yeah, and, and those kind of bands kind of did some syncopation stuff. So I think he learned stuff from being in those bands, right? And brought it to electronic music. And instead of being four to the floor, he decided, you know, let's play with some rhythmic stuff. And then he popularized dubstep where he's yeah. recognized as popularizing it yeah i mean someone someone always comes along and and takes an existing thing to another level right yeah 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 the but inventors I, of genres don't ever get famous it's the people who take that genre and popularize it yeah yeah that's fair. however they do it uh, nickelback is a great example right like they certainly weren't the first of that jock rock mind-numbing um aggressive rock thing no but but the moment they were like a billboard topping artist everybody was doing that yeah exactly even i was doing that because i made like a hundred bucks a show <laughs> doing it <laughs> yeah you actually made a hundred bucks a show at my peak yeah that's awesome Assuming that was a lot of shows. If that was like four shows, then it was a couple months of like a couple shows a week. So, you know, that's not bad. Yeah. I don't know how much the other other artists got. I was just a ringer and that was my demands and they were okay with that. So Hmm. I was okay selling my soul as, (laughs) you know. You know, I, I've I've been in a couple of those bands, a couple of those, excuse me, let's call them simple hard rock, because that's sure. really what a lot of it is. Um, and both of those adventures, I tried to make them better. I tried to put some imprint i mean i I do the same thing my experience with trying to make it better led to me having a broken sg with a a cab that was no longer useful so and 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 being out of a job i guess you could say (laughs) the biggest the biggest um, pushback i got uh from one of them was i made a comment about suggesting Lyrical changes. I didn't actually suggest lyrical changes. I just was making a comment that there's an opportunity to improve the lyrics. I'm wondering if you're interested. And I got a long rant, angry, angry rant about it's not my place to impede on her or who to, it's not my place to criticize and change her art and uh so i just dropped it and shut my brain off (laughs) i've had projects like that i had a project that somebody came to me for mixing and mastering i think yeah and i noticed that the song had potential and if they would have let me have some creative freedom I would have like introduced some elements to try and make the song less stale. Yeah. It was like one of those let's drone for 
(laughs) five minutes with the same thing over and over and over again. Nothing to break up the parts. And you you know what? I've been that guy. (laughs) Well, and I've like approached them before I started working. It was just like, are you okay with me adding elements or like, is this your child and I'm not allowed to touch it type of thing. And I got back like the, yeah, no, I think this is perfect at the way it is. It's just like, really? It sounds fucking boring, but okay. <laughs> You're paying me 250 bucks, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> right? I'll do what you want. That's fine. I, um, I had that exact experience last week. Met with a local country singer-songwriter. Another, another guy that works on the rigs. Uh, or works in the trades and has money, wants to put it into art. And I'm, you know, I mean, I, I want to see that succeed because I think we need more of that. Right. Um, and so he brings me, he brings me three songs and he wants me to pass some critique. He wants me to talk about arrangements. He wants me to, you know, he wants to talk about what we can do about this and he wants coffee. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, okay. I, that, that sounds like a great morning to me. Show, can you show up at nine? Sounds good. Here we go. Anyway, so I listened to the first song and I get to the end of it on the first listen. Mm-hmm. Already I've, en- I, I've identified two or three things that like there's potential there, but the songwriting is very much at a uh, kind of a, like an elementary school level, mm-hmm. Right. And just a few tweaks can not only make it sound more intelligent, but also make it sound more broadly appealing to to country music fans. Right. Right? Because country music isn't usually about going off the beaten path, right? You know, there's certainly there's certainly like let's let's widen our path a little bit as we go. Yeah. But country music is very much about nostalgia and formula and and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what the genre is. Anyway, he had this, he had this one line that came up twice in kind of a post-chorus part mm-hmm. that was super, super elementary school. Okay. And I won't, I won't say what the line is cause it doesn't really matter, but it was very much a, you know, like a, like someone in grade five teasing someone else. And that's the line, right? Okay. Like you would almost never hear a mature adult say that. There's definitely people who would because there are people like that out there. But the point is, I thought there was, I understood what he was trying to say, but I thought there were, there were probably better, more poetical ways of saying that. And country music likes its cheesiness and its cliches. Yeah, but they don't tend to like childishness, right? Or Bands. It, it, fair fair Red enough. Red Solo but, Cup beat was a Billboard charter, so yeah, that's a childish, but, stupid but, song. Uh, but it was, but it was very much a college crowd song, right? I don't know if it was a college crowd song. Uh, that that sounds no? like just. Uh, that, country rednecky. I don't know about that. Well, but that's like community as a whole kind of song. 
Like anyway. I knew people in their fifties that were loved that song. So the the other thing about the other thing about the song was the intro was the exact same thing as the verse. So it was like jing 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 jing. That's not at all what a song sounds like. But then right into the verse, jing 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 jing, and like zero change, zero modulation, zero. Didn't even invert the chords to. Nope, nothing. Uh-huh. And so, so I suggested both of these changes, you know. And he he first asked, "Well, what is your actual suggestion? You know, like what what lyric do you want in there instead?" And I, of course, I didn't have anything because it was the first time I'm listening to it. Um, and then he said to the to the chord cha- or to the to the intro, he said, "What would you change there? What specifically would you change?" And I'm like, "Oh, I haven't put a lot of thought into this. I just I'm just pointing these out as identifiers." And he says. I've spent a lot of time making sure that this song was perfect and making sure that I overthought every detail so that I know everything is as good as it can be. Sounds like you're too close to the song, but... And that's that's what I thought too, is, you know, you're too close to this song. You are, um, you are not opening your doors to other ideas at all. So I just stopped. Yeah. Right? It's- yeah, I mean, and, and at that point, it's like you know, that he continued your position to, is not to. He continued to rant for like an hour about it, going uh, over every everything and how you know. I tried, I tried that thing, you know, the like that uh, that pre that post chorus thing in the intro, and it's just too much. And I tried the chorus in the intro, and it's just too much. And I, you know, and I tried this variation, and it's just too much. And and this right here. It's simple. It's it, it's simple, and it sets up the song right. All I can think of is sure. It's simple and it bores me. I'm falling asleep before I even get to the lyrics. You know, there's ways that are simple to still make it interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Like you can just change the third and put it in the root. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's, well, it, yeah, whatever. It sounds. One of the nice things that I'm looking forward to this about, because um, he, he he is a nice guy. Yeah. I can't I can't critique his his songwriting with any justification because I clearly haven't released or written a song. I, mean, I haven't written a song in years. So, um, but the the thing I'm looking really I'm looking forward to is he's pretty sure that his drummer and bass player are going to be excited about playing these songs live in studio to track track the basics live so i'm really looking forward to that are they rehearsing the songs they are yeah okay uh, i don't know if they're rehearsing to a metronome that's a conversation we haven't had yet but but the drummer it, the the drummer is an older drummer it sounds like been playing forever so excuse me hopefully they'll be adaptable uh, apparently they have lots of studio work too okay so hopefully they'll be adaptable to uh, whatever i throw at them Hopefully. Yeah. 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 And the songs are kind of, you know, two of them have some significant potential if all the pieces fall together properly. And one of them, one of them, I'm just not sure because it's got some issues that he didn't want to address. So we'll see how it turns out. Okay. Yeah. That said, that said, they haven't exactly booked any time yet. So yeah. Yeah, maybe I should follow him up. I'm going to do more of that. Follow yeah. up with customers. Yeah. Um, 
Hey, shift, shifting gears. Did you listen? Did you by chance listen to the Bobby Osinski podcast this morning? No. So it's one of the things I look forward to every Tuesday morning because it comes out at seven o'clock Tuesday mornings. And I specifically enjoy it because it gives us something to talk about on the show. <laughs> anyway, so, so one of the things that he was talking about was um, there was a hackers conference this weekend or recently or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And one of the things that came out of this was a bunch of them got together and in a 24 hour period put together, uh, they used, they used Amazon's version of Siri. Okay. I, I didn't know Amazon had. Amazon that. does have a version of uh, their, ver- their own version of Siri. I don't know what it's called. I couldn't, I can't remember what it, what it was, but, um, you know, windows is called Cortana. Because, you know, let's make our Halo character a freaking thing that everybody wants to talk to. All right. I'm just writing. Cartana is a character in a video game. In Halo. Which is an AI. And then oh, Windows yeah. made that your, you can talk to Cortana. I have never used it, but <laughs> I know on my computer, it's like it's, if I do the search bar, they yeah. call that Cartana, despite the fact that it's just a search bar. Right. That's funny. <laughs> Did you ever see, um, uh, man, what's, um, James Franco and the guy that played, um, the main guy in Breaking Bad. What's his name? Oh, I don't know his name, but, but I you know, know what I'm talking, talking about. So, so, so they just did a movie. Uh, it was, it was a romantic comedy goofball thing. Um, but, uh, James Franco plays this super rich guy. Um, and he designed, he's a computer geek. He designed his own AI for the house and had Kelly Kokoa from uh, big bang theory, the girl to be the voice was hilarious. She was, that's that falling in love with an AI or something like that. What? I don't know. There's a movie. No, 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 not at all. No, to AI. And I think they fall in love with it. I, I think I know what you're talking movie. about. I'm only that was, assuming what I saw out of trailers. <laughs> that was um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. Right? For Her, I right. think was the name of the movie. Well, that's the one I'm... That, I think that, we're... That, that's not the one I'm, I'm thinking of. We're the, kind of straying away from what you're trying to right. tell me about, about this hacker anyway, conference. Was, so the, the hacker conference, thank you for dragging us back. The hacker conference, they came up using this Amazon... Um, version of Siri, they came up with a, a recording studio assistant that is specifically designed, they called it Odin, O-D-I-N, mm-hmm. specifically designed to, um, <coughs> excuse me, specifically designed to do digital studio tasks for you, which I guess the regular series and Amazon's version and Cortana and whatever aren't doing. So you can give it voice commands, so-and-so, um, arm tracks one through 16, um, so-and-so hit record, uh, whatever, right? Okay. <laughs> Interesting, but. <laughs> w- would, would that be something that you'd ever use? No. Okay. Because uh, I, I was thinking about this on, on the way in, because I was listening to the, that as I was driving here. I don't think I would ever use it as a studio guy, but I could totally see how an artist 
would that is just trying to lay down ideas like like say if i could teach it how to edit the way i like editing i would use that so you don't have to use your fingers well just so that i could be like uh, i guess if this thing's called odin be like odin edit all these tracks (laughs) and then you know because it has, I don't know, maybe watched me edit tracks. It's noticed your things that I do and then just edits the way I like things done. Maybe. And then I could just listen back and be like, mm, that's off and just fix it myself and be really quick. But I was thinking more along the lines, like like if, um, if an artist is doing the home studio thing, they're t- putting together demos or whatever. Yeah. Um, I could totally see that being a useful tool. That could be useful to, to like, if you're in the tracking room, you could just be like record, right? And then you can start going, you know, um, or, um, or even something as simple as, as like wandering over to <clears throat> wandering over to, uh, um, to, uh, to the, to an equipment rack or to a table that has pedals on it and, and saying, Hey, you know, arm tracks, whatever, playback, this through output, whatever, blah, 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 and yeah. go, right? I could totally see that as a useful thing for someone who doesn't really want to be bothered with the technology as much. Right. You know, and we still have to obviously have some sort of understanding of it, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's almost making, making GarageBand obsolete and being able to use something more advanced, but have the computer be your studio operator, your, your, your DAW operator, which is the hardest fucking part of a studio anyway. Operating a DAW? It is. Everything else is super easy. I guess, you know, there's the little, the learning curve of figuring out the DAW in the first place, but I think that's probably the thing that makes it so hard. But once you know it, it's pretty simple stuff, especially mm-hmm. if you set up shortcut keys to do the things you do all the time. <sighs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, on the topic of DAWs, I talked to one of my students yesterday Mm -hmm. who at the end of his program, um, him and his band discovered Reaper. So they jumped all over it. Yeah. And the more he uses Reaper, the more he prefers Pro Tools. I thought that was interesting because I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that trend at all. I see, I mostly, I see the trend of pro tools users moving over to Reaper or moving over to studio one. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he, I don't know if he learned how to use pro tools and he is used to pro tools way of thinking that makes sense to me. Cause that's what I see happen is people who learn on pro tools. Yeah. They get used to how pro tools does things. And then when they go to uh, Reaper or Cubase or any of those other programs that have condensed those things so that you don't have to go through as many menus, it's, <laughs> you know, you have to relearn stuff and that's not enjoyable. I suppose. And when I went to school, we learned on like four or five different DAWs and we really? were told, pick the one that works for you. That's fucked up. Yeah. Which ones did you use? Uh, there is Reason, Reaper, Logic, uh, Cubase. And there might have been 
Pro Tools, and then I maybe only used it for like an hour, and I was like, huh. "Fuck this." <laughs> I stuck with Reaper because I could do a lot more with it. But there was people in my class who were like Logic guys, right? Uh, some guys liked Reason, and I, I liked parts of Reason, so I always rewired it into Reaper. <laughs> Although I don't use rewire anymore because yeah, bah. yeah. <laughs> I don't need to, nor do I own reason. No, you're just down to, you're just down to Reaper now. Yeah. I had Cubase nine for a little bit, but I didn't like it enough to continue didn't... my NFR. Yeah. That's or fair. to renew my license yeah. that Yamaha was giving me. Yeah, I uh it needs to go back to what was it? 5 was when 6. 6. 6 was the last GUI that was really good. Yeah. Yeah, if they could go to 6 so that none of this bullshit of like I need to invert this track because it's creating phase issues with another track, but I have to a menu dive to get to the invert phase button. Shouldn't have to do that. I don't know. I, I remember in Cubase eight, it was hidden. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, you're 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 right. It, it's um, they've made the mix window. Um, you can set it up. Yeah, it's always been the same on the edit window. Yeah, the the, the mix window is all collapsible, collapsible rack items. Yeah, I Everything don't like is, that. I hate yeah. that. Yeah, it. I, I'm right there with you, man. There are, so I've been working a lot in Pro Tools doing mixes for um, uh, well, a few bands. And uh, I had to open up Cubase to do a new session yesterday. And I had to, and I had to use, oh, that's right. Cause I couldn't find Drumagog in Pro Tools for some reason. It wasn't loading up in Pro Tools. Uh, I'll have to look into that. But um, so I had to go back to Cubase, load up Drumagog, do the, do the drum replacement that I wanted. And I opened up this session and all I could think of was, Oh my God, fuck, this is awful looking. <laughs> like I'm already frustrated and I haven't touched the damn thing yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I need my dog to look like a mixer or at least the mix, mix, mixer menu screen or whatever needs yeah. to look like a mixer. Well, And, and, and I and, need certain buttons to be just a push of the button. For for me, like the, the basic things that I want really are what uh, what Cubase six was, and that was <clears throat> it had your preamp section, like it had a gain adjustment, um, phase and high pass filter, right there. Yeah, always, always, always right there. Yeah. Then it had, then it had this um, changeable section. Which, depending on on the your selection on you know down the left hand side of the menu, you could choose your EQ, you could choose your sends, you could choose your inserts, and it was all just clearly laid out, nice and simply. Yeah. And then it had your panning and routing section, which was just like it was just really clean and really simple, and I miss that. I don't even like. Pro Tools, how they've done it, because um, it's 
I mean, it, it's a hell of a lot better than Cubase now, but fuck. Okay, we got to go. Um, there were things on my list. I'm sure there are things on your list, but uh, I guess we'll see you all next time. See ya. Follow our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.